Oh, boys. I think we should find a way to make it, like, quick draw. Which, you know, one, two, three, and then we both say Poe Boys, whichever one says it fastest. Gets a Poe's. soda. Poe's! Oh. So you've got me, you got me beat because you have experience talking very fast. You'd think, and but in terms, a, of the, in terms of the talking fast world, I'm actually very slow. Which is, mm, you know, mm. to the lay person, it might seem like, oh my gosh, Pete's speaking so quickly. But to people that can speak really quickly, I'm like mid-level. Mid-level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I, you know, as listeners know, I'm famous for my very slow and relaxed drawl. But for people who talk slowly, I actually talk well, that's very your, quick. That's your southern drawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I, I speak more like a northerner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Yuns. I'm like, Yuns here the Star Wars now? <laughs> <laughs> so I... I don't claim any sort of regional inheritance because I've just moved around my whole childhood um, growing up as an army brat. But we lived we lived in the South in a series of military bases on the South for a while. And then we finally moved to a military base in Virginia, which uh-huh. was north enough for my dad who grew up in Pennsylvania. And I still remember being like 10 and my dad being so excited that we're going to move to Virginia and be in the north. And he's like, you guys are going to start saying yuns. It's going to be great. (laughs) I try. I try and slip it in every now and again, but I'm a you guys guy. I, I think I've, I adopted the Virginia y'all. I fight it. I fight it hard. Yeah. Oh, I I mean, at, at various points when I realized I was doing it a lot, I'd be like, you all? Mm-hmm. Hey, you all. Um, but I think I'd I say mean, before y'all. Virginia, before Virginia, we were in Florida and Louisiana. So I have no doubt as a little kid, I was y'all all over the place. And I probably had I probably had a little bit of the draw as well, just because, you know, it was your formative years. But I don't know. I don't know why I run away from the y'all. But I do. I, I run away from it. Yeah, and I, I just call animals what they are. I don't call them critters anymore. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. What a sellout. Yeah, so, you know, if I, I saw... little freaks. I, if I saw a groundhog, I'd be like, oh, there's a good little critter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I just like, oh, there's a groundhog. Oh, there's a mouse hmm. in the house, which nobody seemed to care about, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Speaking of critters... We got potential for two honorary Poe boys slash, I guess, a Poe girl to to meet coming up. Yeah. Two um, little Poe critters might be finally meeting. Um, My my little puppy and your dog may be meeting soon. And you had asked me, I brought my dog to a hangout with a mutual friend of ours dog employee (laughs) one of our employees yeah and 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 listeners you might be saying is it appropriate for the bosses to interact with their employees and typically as long as the bosses as long as the employee's dog knows the boss's dog is their boss then it's okay (laughs) yeah so as long as there's um an alpha and a beta situation already established Mm -hmm. via the hierarchical um, food chain of the Po Boys LLC infrastructure, and that's completely fine. All right. Um, sure. If that person's dog was attacking your dog, then there'd be employing uh, employment implications for that person. 
Sure. Which is, I mean, that's just that's just that's just how it works. That's it's a it's a dog eat dog world, literally, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to it's... corporate politics. Right. And so the the dog in question, while still a puppy, is four times the size of my dog. Yeah. Which makes him probably eight times the size of your dog. I yeah, don't know. it's a it's a is it like a, a big ch- dog? Is it like a Dex to Obi Wan? Yeah, difference. Sure. Okay. Well, it's well, like Dex to somebody, but I only okay. held off in telling you when you were asking how it went because Star Wars specifically came up, and at first my dog was very afraid and very skittish, and then I them off the leash, and then he ran around and stuff, and then it very quickly turned into Yoda at the end of Attack of the Clones fighting Count Dooku. And she jumped all over him, all over the place, and was quite a handful. But instead of Yoda, um, she was like a mean Yoda who wouldn't cut it out. And it's even kind of after like, the other dog got so, so tired, it was like, okay, I'm done. And she jump over him and flipping over him. It was very Attack of the Clones. So it was kind of like... You know, if you wanted that deleted scene of Dooku versus Yoda, but then Yoda kept taunting Dooku the whole time as well. <laughs> and then Dooku was like, cut it out, cut it out. I didn't mean to start these Clone Wars. Most, and then if Dooku was also like, please stop, I'm tired. This is my home. <laughs> I'm laying down. <laughs> All right, listen, please stop. I'm trying to escape. <laughs> So that was all well and good. And that was the extent of Star Wars cultural penetration into my life this week was my dog reminding me of Yoda. Um, but there's been some Star Wars stuff. Yeah, there's been this there's week. been a couple things. Um, yeah, I saw just, you know, doing my obligatory um, Star Wars Google search that the Mandalorian trailer is going to come out sometime this August. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it, literally, you just type in Star Wars on that Google. That sounds like rampant speculation, but um, yeah, it was like a it, it was like sense, a, a Gizmodo article, and you know, Gizmodo, mm. as you as mm-hmm. we all know, Gizmodo. Well, let's let's touch on the Mandalorian because I think the big Star Wars news this week was that it got fifteen Emmy nominations. Whoa, fifteen Emmy nominations. Mandalorian got 15 Emmy nominations. Um, and I'm going to run them down here. But first, I also am going to point out Star Wars Resistance got an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Children's Program. Didn't they get so, that last year, too? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I think so. Did they win it? No. I don't remember. We're bad at this. Um, outstanding Drama Series. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the big one. Outstanding character voiceover performance for The Mandalorian. Uh, well, obviously, for Taika Waititi's IG-11. Oh, okay. I See, uh, I thought you were going to say it was for Mando himself, but okay. Well, I guess because he's also there on set, it's maybe a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, outstanding guest actor in a drama series for Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon in the season finale. Really? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So those are the sort of Big ticket ones that I'll be very curious about, particularly Giancarlo uh, Esposito and Outstanding Drama Series. I'll, I'll be very curious about those. And then there's a lot of technical ones here. Um, we got Outstanding Production Design for Narrative Program Half Hour for the first episode. 
Outstanding Cinematography for Single Camera Series, Outstanding Outstanding Fantasy Sci-Fi Costumes, Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing for a Drama Series. I mean, obviously, yeah, that's a good one. Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup for a Series, Limited Series Movie or Special. Uh, here's a big one for me, anyway. Outstanding Music Composition for a Series, Original Dramatic Score going to uh, Ludwig Göransson. I mean, um, he I deserves wish, I'm that. I'm just looking at the article on. Oh, for yeah, sure. 100%. Uh, I'm just looking at the article on stars.com now because I don't have the other nominees because I thought I read somewhere that Kamasi Washington, who's a incredible jazz musician that I'm a big fan of, was also nominated for an Emmy. He did the score for the Michelle Obama documentary, though, so I don't know if that. I don't imagine that would be the same. Yeah, I don't think that would be the same. All right, let's look. Um, are there more or four, four more. more? Oh my gosh! Outstanding sound editing for a comedy or drama series. Okay. Outstanding sound mixing. Outstanding special effects. And then here's a big one I really wanted to take a minute for because I didn't know it existed, but it's definitely a hill I'm willing to die on in a certain way. Outstanding stunt coordination for a drama series, limited series, or movie. Uh, which is awesome because, you know, as we see in the Disney Gallery series, there's a lot of people that go into even just the Mandalorian doing his stunts. But stunt work is it's shameful that there's no Oscar for stunt work. Stunt work is crazy. They really do some of the most spectacular things in filmmaking. And I had no idea that Emmys had an Emmy for stunts, which is great. That's very cool. And I think it's a really critically underappreciated facet of filmmaking so i'm really excited that those guys got a nod and that that award exists at all interesting yeah i mean Mm -hmm. the actors are always so appreciative of their stunt doubles but i -hmm. also think that they only show the ones that are willing to like voice how great their stunt doubles are a lot of times i don't think actors yeah one would hope a lot of times (laughs) actors don't really think about and give them as much credit like I and this isn't like a slight towards Daisy Ridley, but I I remember watching a YouTube like there's these YouTube series where it shows all of their work and they showed the stunt double that was doing all these crazy things with the lightsaber. And I believe it was her stunt double and she didn't like recognize her stunt double was doing all of this, mm. all of this stuff, which I'm not 100 percent like I don't want to. It's not like a huge slight towards Daisy. But it's definitely something that is cool that they're doing. Um, I yeah, would be curious. Sure. And I mean, who knows with the Daisy thing, what she did and didn't say, what wasn't wasn't edited in there. I wouldn't wouldn't hold that against her because I'm pretty sure I've seen her talk about the stunt coordination on the that Skywalker legacy documentary. Um, so my two hot takes from this are the first one being. It, guest spot guest spot is the one the guest spot and creatures those were the two that i was i was thinking about thank you um for guest mm-hmm. spot i would have thought that quill's character was a more impactful guest spot like i thought that was a more powerful performance than esposito quill quill oh oh yeah but that i think that would have maybe he's a if that was going to get a nomination it would have been voice maybe he's a supporting Nick character Nolte, Nick Nolte just did the voiceover yeah um and then when and I think he's more recurring. And then when you say like creatures and like um, the um, costumes, yes, best Emmy, the Emmy Award for best creatures, costumes, costumes. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't remember um, what it was. I, I know what you're talking about. I when um, when you initially said that, I was like, really? I don't really think that they fully deserve that. I mean, they 
they did a, a good they did a good attempt, but like I didn't like the Twi'leks they did. I thought those were kind of yeah. not super well done. Um, yeah, we talked about that. And you know the was it the Aqualish creature that um, Mandalorian cuts in half in the first scene is is that Aqualish? Yeah. Oh the. The big hippo monster thing? Not, not the big hippo. The one that's on the same planet as the Mon Calamari's, that, that species. Oh, yeah. I think it's okay. Aquash. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, like, that, wasn't, that looked more like Pirates of the Caribbean than anything. Um, but hmm. when I think about it, like, what they did with Quill, what they did with Baby Yoda, a little Yanni, uh, 100% they deserve that. Yeah, I mean, little Yanni, just that in and of itself though i don't know if that's the same category or not I don't but whatever whatever category but, those two yeah. like they did such a good job with quill 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 and little yanni mm-hmm. that they deserve every every emmy every single emmy that's in the sphere of influence of those two characters sure yeah i don't i don't know who the other nominees are but I'm not I'm not a I'm not a well-versed television viewer as I am a well-versed film viewer or something like that. I don't know. I, I watch more movies than I do TV, so I'm not as confident in prognosticating who else um, would be nominated. Uh, and then from nominations to wins, um, Dr. Afra, which is a character created by Karen Gillan in the Darth Vader comic back in 2015, sort of the. Indiana Jones of Star Wars, I guess I would say. Very cool character. Had a solo series as well. And Dr. Afra comic book series won the Glad Media Award for Outstanding Comic Book, which is pretty cool. Um, Glad being the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. We have awards for representation in, in popular culture and stuff like that. And, yeah, Dr. Afra won. It's pretty neat. It's a really good book. Um, I haven't read it since I stopped going to a comic book store every single week but Dr. Afra is a very cool character. If you haven't read Karen Gillan's Dark Vader run I strongly recommend that and then she spun off into her own book and it's a it's a really interesting flavor of Star Wars. She's like a rogue archaeologist in the Star Wars universe. Very good stuff. So it's cool to see that book get some recognition. Star Wars, has been, uh, Star Wars does really well with creating characters that are on the sidelines that you care a whole lot about and are like just Mm -hmm. generally cool characters, but they just don't um, elevate them to a role. So like in fallen order, um, the main Jedi wasn't all that great, but his, his master was a really cool character. Um, She's a really cool Mm -hmm. character. Um, I just finished. I, we literally delayed the podcast today for me to finish um, shadow fall which is the second Alphabet Squadron book, and there's so many cool characters um, in that book. That, that was such such a great book. And um, it's one of the highlights of the Disney acquisition is them giving all these characters that maybe, you know, we'll never see a Dr. Aphra on TV, but, you know, it provides this platform for a yeah. bunch of different voices that otherwise wouldn't have been heard, and we would just be getting the same Luke, Leia stories over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah, and I think there's a fine line to tread. I know I often complain about Star Wars books having to keep it small or like having to only brush up against anything major in just the right way so as not to affect the continuity. But there's a there's an opposite way that that sort of bends in that I love Dr. Aphra. I think she's a great character. And then, you know, but it, if 
if she were to have popped up in Rise of Skywalker, say, it would not have been in service of that character. You know, it would have been... There's no, there's no way for some of these smaller characters that fans of more niche sects of Star Wars have spent so much time with to pop up in these bigger things in any sort of super rewarding way, you know? Um, because when a character from, you know, a different subsect of the media or from the saga or whatever pops up in something that a bigger audience is going to see, uh, they have to, you know, lean into that bigger audience. Like, it'll be interesting to see how that all works with, you know, purportedly a character like Rex or Ahsoka showing up in The Mandalorian, you know, where a lot of people, they're going to be introduced to those characters through that huge platform of The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you or I, some of our listeners, Ahsoka's been part of our perception of Star Wars for a decade. I view it more as like a layer, layered in that, you know, it's like movies, TV, books, comics, you know, and I don't really know the um, order for books or comics because just with this Alphabet Squadron that I was reading, um, it explains what Hera did after episode six. So like it follows this squadron Mm. that happens to be under her command. So like it's not, she's in it for a lot of it, but she's like the person in charge of a battle cruiser. And then alphabet squadron is one of many squadrons that are doing a separate mission from everything else. So I feel like the books and the comics, it doesn't spill up to the shows more that, we get our characters that we like in these books, in these comics, and then we get to see characters from the TV shows and the movies plucked into and inserted into it. At least that's been yeah. what I've been seeing. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I don't even know why I brought it up, but I think Doctor Afra, Afra is, a, is a very cool character. I'd be I'd be thrilled if she were to show up in in something. But yeah. It's cool that the, that that won an award. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandalorian season one soundtrack. Pete, I already texted you about this. Mondo, not Mando. Mondo, um, one of two companies that's just gonna be what it says on my tombstone because I'm just a clown for them. Mondo and the Criterion Collection. That's just what it's gonna be on my tombstone. Are going to release. The season one score for the Mandalorian, uh, eight final box set. They announced it at the San Diego Comic Con at home. They did a they did a panel, which I sort of thumbed my way through the video of on my phone while watching the making of Jaws two. So yes, I did have a good weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it looks it looks something else. It looks like something else. Let me tell you. So I'm very excited for that. I will probably be buying that. Uh, they are saying they didn't have a release date, but they said they're trying to get a release before season two of the Mandalorian. So presumably sometime in the next few months there, uh, any of you vinyl heads or score heads or whatever. Out yeah. There should be. Able hey, to get score heads, vinyl heads, send us an email. What's your favorite vinyl or what's your favorite score heads? Come on. Have I complained about the order of the colors of the six vinyls in the Infinity War and Camp? Yes. Yet? And I'm not saying that because I don't want to oh, okay. listen to it. But yes, <laughs> probably I did. But I will uh, say, yeah, it. okay, you get him, Josh. I've been listening. I've, I've been. I've, all right, fine. You know what? I will. I will get him. Look, 
I did talk about this on here. You got Infinity War, Endgame, six LP box sets, score all of them. Each of the vinyls is the color of Infinity Stone, and they do Roy G. Biv. Like, oh, first one's red, first one's orange. Joseph, why, why would you do it that order? Do it the order. They got the stones of the movie. Do it. So purple would be first, obviously. But in this order, purple's last. It makes no sense. Um, but anyway, boy, I've been thrown on the last side of the vinyl for no the, the the first side for the last final for the end game score oh you know with all the portals oh my gosh that music is so good i've been listening to that so much oh all you score heads out there you know and everybody was like oh portals 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 when that movie came out i was like okay whatever music's fine whatever but then i sat and listened to it and i was like oh my goodness i have chills uh last thing i have nothing to do with anything but let's get some speculation going here Netflix and Universal, they got a new uh, animated show coming out. All right. I believe it is called Camp Cretaceous. It is a Jurassic Park animated series. Okay. Uh, and it, it is, yes, Camp, Camp, Camp Cretaceous. They released the teaser. It comes out in September Is 18th. that show the um, hypothetical, like, the park's actually open for like you know the, the solid I week before it actually collapses. It shows the Indominus Rex in there, so maybe it happens concurrent with Jurassic World or something. I don't know, but it was it was an interesting trailer. But it just sort of made me think about when Clone Wars was first announced, and like, is there something inherent to Star Wars? that primed Clone Wars to sort of launch a sub-franchise unto itself? And is that something that another franchise can replicate? Like, well, I mean, Fast and Furious is also doing an animated show with Dominic Toretto's little cousin. And, wow. you know, we, we that talk about animation that's a lot of the show. But, a lot of interest in. Yeah, and so I, it, it did kind of make me think about, you know, now I guess it's just sort of a given that, you know, Bad Batch is going to come out and I'm going to pay a lot of attention to it. And there will probably be, you know, hot takes slinging around in certain corners of Twitter about it. And there will be podcasts about Bad Batch, not least of which being ours. But um, is that is that because of Star Wars being brought into animation or do you think like does something like a Jurassic Park, which is a beloved franchise for sure, though not necessarily one that's as conducive to world building because it's all, you know, one island. But I don't know what you think. What are the chances of Cretaceous Park really not is it out one of island? And uh, I thought that they. Well, no, it's two. I think it's is, two is or little... three because there's the original and then there's the no. reserve. Right, there's the original Isla Sorna, and then in Lost World, they go to Isla Nublar, which is where they're born and raised. Okay. Or it's vice versa, just shut up and leave me alone. And then Jurassic World takes place on the original island. Okay, again. I'm not... So I think it's just the two I'm not islands. anywhere near as well-versed on this. And Jurassic Park 3? Is 3, is three the one on the same with island the as Lost Jeff Goldblum's daughter's like a gymnast or something? No, that's two. That's okay. Lost and then, World. Uh, Lost World rules, and I will hear no different from anyone. Then which one's which one's three? Is she in it? No, three has Sam Neill from the first movie, and he essentially is hoodwinked into landing on a second island to save a divorced couple's son who 
ends up crashed there because the mom's new boyfriend takes him hang gliding. Yeah, that sounds... Um, I, I think that you're doing as much justice for that movie as you can. There's a cool part with pterodactyls. <laughs> the thing I always like to know about Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic Park's the first one, or is it World? Okay, Jurassic Park mm-hmm. is... It, it made me think oh about... Gosh. You tween. Um, Kath... Kathy in the Mandalorian documentary, um, Disney Gallery mm-hmm. that we were just covering for a month, um, about the lengths that technology has gone because of Lucasfilm and how the animatronics, I believe it was, um, was the big thing mm-hmm. in um, Jurassic Park, which is something that, you know. Well, big thing Jurassic Park was the CGI. Was the CGI? I mean, because okay. the animatronics, they were really good, but that already existed. It's the CGI, is my understanding, is what really... Because that, if not the first, was one of the early movies where it's like, all right, look, there's a ball on the string. Look at the ball. Look at the ball. This is a dinosaur head. Look at it. Oh, dinosaur, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Camp Cretaceous, that's a thing that I have written down. <laughs> um do you have anything else? Or should we um, get into I, this? I've been wanting to get into this for since minute one. Oh, you want to get into one. it? Huh? I can't wait to know what this uh, episode becomes called. So I mentioned that I didn't have much Star Wars in my life this week. I am instead reading um, an Avengers comic book run by this guy, Jonathan Hickman, who wrote the Avengers for several years. And it's this big, long, epic story about the Avengers and it is about essentially the universe dying or the multiverse uh-huh. dying and in its dying it is compressing in on itself and the point of compression between multiverses between universes within the multiverse they collide at the point of earth earth is the incursion point between multiple okay. universes and when these two Earths from different universes collide. Either one of the Earths is destroyed to make room for mm-hmm. the other one, or both Earths are destroyed. It's a no-win game. Either one Earth or two Earths are destroyed. Um, and so the Avengers figure this out, the smarter Avengers, and they form a secret Illuminati Avengers to decide what to do about this. And it is essentially, yeah, either... Both of the Earths are destroyed, or one of the Earths is destroyed so the other can live. And Pete, you and I find ourselves oh in very similar circumstances, <laughs> because I had an idea for what to do this week for our podcast, and then you were like, I have a better idea, let's use, use your idea to clown someone. Let's clown someone with your idea, and use it as this banana peel to make some goober who might not even end up on a podcast slip over like a clown. And in the meantime, I'll have my little idea that we'll do, and I'll read a book. And so I have notes for just my idea. Pete just finished reading a book. We were about to talk about which one we were going to do, and I said, nope, save it for the pod. Oh, so you wanted the debate about what this episode should be to be right now, here and, here and there. Honestly, that could be the episode. <laughs> um... Debate which 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 episode to do. As we push the content for next week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we're about to 
we're about to be flush with tent. Uh-huh. You know, we're about to, after next week, we're probably going to have a month off. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were, you were saying that, like, some big Star Wars event's happening, and then I completely forgot that we're going to have a, a face-to-face po' boy um, mm-hmm. convention coming up. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Boy-to-boy, as you so horrifyingly put it last week. <laughs> Face to face, boy to boy, <laughs> po to po. Um, yeah, I mean, I it is fresh in my mind. Um, I know that you've written no notes for mm-hmm. this book that I've been basically plugging for the last twenty minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So Pete read Alphabet Squadron, which we were always going to cover Alphabet Squadron, but I asked you how it was going earlier this week, and you said you were about halfway through. So to my mind, that meant, bad, Josh, garbage, I'm not going to have it. Think of something for us to do because we're fresh out of content. Yeah, um, little did I know, um, it really picks up, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, oh. I was I was very happy with how it turned out. So this book came out late June, June 23rd, Shadowfall. And oh, it's not that long ago. It was, I mean, it, it, it took a while to get to the climax, and then... Um, yeah, and work. I was like, these hundred pages, come on, because I kept falling asleep out um, uh, during, you know, I'd read a chapter and then I'd fall asleep and then I'd read. Well, yeah, you're a drowsy doggy daddy, baby. You gotta mm-hmm. get your rest. Yeah, you'd think so, but nobody has ever accused me of being a good dog dad. <laughs> um, I didn't say you were good when I said oh, you're drowsy. Oh, yep, 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 yep. All right, those th- that all lines up. Um, yeah. but I, you know. They say you're more productive if you change your habit a little bit. So I went out camping. I brought my book and I powered through like 70 pages. And then that's when I hit the peak of the book. And then from there, I just I honestly couldn't stop reading it. Um, It was so, so good. Um, So that's that's I mean, I guess we can do it. You know, as long we've been talking about it for like. The last 30, 45 seconds. But I mean, we can. What's your idea, Josh? You mean, what's my idea? I told you. My idea, when faced with the oblivion of having nothing to talk about on our podcast, I was like, oh, I gotta think of something. I gotta think of something. And I came up with the idea. Well, kind of, you know, I guess we're gonna drop the act for a second of pretending that we were brought in by Lucasfilm to create uh, Ahmed Best who played Jar Jar Binks. He's currently hosting a sort of Star Wars Legends of the Hidden Temple type show on YouTube where kids run an obstacle course and stuff. It's called Jedi Temple Challenge. I came up with the idea that we would act like we were brought in by Lucasfilm to do a Jedi Temple Challenge after dark, which is a Star Wars obstacle course for grown-ups. We would pitch our obstacle course. I have all these great ideas for a grown-up Star Wars obstacle course. And we were going to do oh, that. All right. I, I thought the idea was literally just Star Wars trivia and um, doing it. Do, what? All right. Please don't. Please don't. Please, please, please don't interrupt okay, me. So Eddie, you've heard my idea now. I'm you've just heard t- what I'm my just idea you. is now. And so then Pete says, oh, yeah, we should use that to clown a guy. <laughs> what? what? We're still like, gonna. How, what? See, uh, how are we gonna clown him with I, that? 
hey man, surprise, here's my ideas for an obstacle course. Clown See, I thought that what you were describing before you just... You thought I was going to make them run an obstacle course for an audio medium? I just love this these interruptions. Um, Good. What I thought it was going to be is us talking about doing a casting call for why we should be on Jedi Temple. And... No, no, no. That's what you decided it was after I told you my idea. Then you came back with <laughs> that idea. Um, and then I just... And then, of course, you just assumed that's what we were going to go with. I, I like that idea a lot. Because <laughs> I clown him so much. I actually got one of our mutual friends. Um, he might be contacting you to mail. Um, he was like, I have some Star Wars trivia from, like, the 80s that I can send your way. Um, yeah, I got Star Wars Trivial Pursuit sitting right here. It's from 2015. Though. I actually got... He, he, he asked me a question. I got it wrong. Um, the question was... What was Porkin's call sign? Oh, I don't Wow, no, 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 that's that's no. 100%. Yeah, red six. <laughs> I, man, you were so good at trivia. It's insane. Because it was... Well, that was truly it, a lucky guess. I couldn't remember there being uh-huh. a red seven, and so I thought to myself, well, surely Porkin's is the last one. <laughs> and that is genuinely... Well, it was like the... the, the the trivia game gives you like four um uh, four options and it was like gold red Mm -hmm. one six and nine and i didn't hear him say six so in my in my mind i'm like he obviously Mm -hmm. wasn't red one and then i'm like red nine doesn't make sense but he's obviously not um gold and i just said red nine he's like no you idiot he's red six and i'm like you didn't say you know what i'm i'm just um projecting yeah what a clown what a clown yeah he clowned you Speaking of, though, the trivia, I've also broached another idea with you, which is the Summer 2020 Olympic Games. Because, again, you and I are going to be in the same geographic location briefly. And I have Star Wars Review Pursuit. We could play that. I have, well, I will download Star Wars Pod Racer. You and I can play that. And I have Star Wars Battlefront 2. And you and I can play that. Yeah, I... I think boom, boom, boom. Stars pulling the games. That's like a month of content right there, and we can knock it out in like I don't know an hour. Great. Perfect. Yeah. So I think that this is one of the few times we've done enough of a teaser for the Poe Olympics, and we can just do Alphabet Squadron and then get into our obstacle course idea, your obstacle course idea in the Poe Olympics when we meet face to face. It's not a separate. Yeah, no, the, uh, yeah, Challenge After I Dark. It's not a Olympic game. Olympic games, you and I competing. Yeah, and things. I think that those are. Yeah, it's not Challenge After Dark. Is yeah, separate thing. and I think that those are. It's also not something we need to be in the right, same room. Right, about. right, right. I might draw a map. I haven't done one yet. Okay, so we're gonna cover Shadowfall. You think though? So? I mean, we're thirty-five minutes in. <laughs> you just want to cut it? Oh my god. <laughs> you did say you were busy. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm okay oh, you were busy beforehand. Okay. No, I'm gonna be busy. I gotta cook dinner as soon as I'm done with this. Oh yeah, you having some loth cat? Oh, if only. Let's see. Let's look at this real quick. It's either gonna be chicken zucchini noodle soup with carrots, onions, celery, and parsley, or creamy Tuscan chicken with mushroom spinach and cherry tomatoes. Oh, so s- soups either way. 
big soup day. More or less. I'm leaning towards the proper soup because it's got way more produce. And, you know, I want to use the produce. I mean, I just got it yesterday. So probably, the, you know, the sooner I cook up the produce, Okay, the so we still got some time to come to an agreement or fight. For- well, it's a 40-minute recipe. Okay. So, Josh, um, would you like to do your idea? No, I don't think that we have time to give it justice. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I took notes. I have ideas for an adult Star Wars obstacle course. We can do this episode another... You think I'm going to burn that on the back end of this? Who do you think is still listening, Pete? I want people to hear Um, these ideas. We actually have a couple... I mean, Shadowfall is... And, you know, the listeners that have... Pete, do you really think someone who clicked on this episode because it said it was going to talk about this Alphabet Squadron book has listened to 35 minutes yes, of I, this? Yes, 100%. To hear us Here, talk about the things, Squadron? Um, Josh, is your niche of Star Wars is Clone Wars, um, and people cover that left and right. Um, if your mm-hmm. niche is these books... There's, I mean, I've, it's not like we follow other Star Wars podcasters. I mean, we follow their Twitter accounts, um, and they'll, you know, plug their episodes once in a while, but nobody's really talking about this. Um, really? Or are we just not following the right podcast? Um, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times that our Twitter followers are Raylos. So I don't, I guess I don't, Mm. I don't know in the Venn diagram, what part of the Raylos and the alphabet squadron readers meet in the middle, but it's definitely something that a lo- mainstream Star Wars podcasts don't really cover um, the Star Wars books, hmm. is my understanding, yeah. Right, but I'm saying, I'm a Clone Wars fan. I don't listen to any Clone Wars podcasts, but if I did listen to a Clone Wars podcast based on finding something online that said, this is a Clone Wars podcast, we're going to talk about Clone Wars, and then... Even for 10 minutes, it was two strangers that are not famous talking about nonsense. I would have stopped listening. Yeah, but uh, to that listener that's still in here, wow. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I guess if you're still listening, hashtag shut up, po'boys, or hashtag good job, po'boys, one or the other. Pick one, and then Pete will find out. Um, all right, let's talk about. Shadow face. Wow. Okay. Shadow. It's shadow fall. Star Wars. ABC. Shadow um, face. This is the, the second book um, in the Alphabet Squadron series. Um, Alphabet Squadron mm-hmm. was the first book, you know, the, the series name, and then Shadow Fall is the second one. There's going to be, they set up for a third one for sure. Um, well, it's always going to be a trilogy, I, right? I don't really follow the making of stuff, but it's yeah it clearly it's clearly going to be that based off of this book this was written by alexander freed who wrote some stuff for the old republic um he wrote the battlefront books and he wrote some knights of the for yeah um he wrote he's written like two three battlefront books and this is like his big like making his stamp on star Wars of providing content that's not supporting like any video game or anything like that. Um, 
Alphabet Squadron is the to do like a little recap. Um, the members of Alphabet Squadron are members that fly all the different lettered ships. So we have, you know, U-Wing, Y-Wing, B-Wing, A-Wing, X-Wing. Um, and then they all make this hodgepodge group that's basically trying to hunt this elite TIE fighter group. Um, the first book touches on Operation Cinder, which if you... Which is in Battlefront 2. Yeah, ba- right. which is Battlefront 2, um, which is the like order right after Episode 6 where Palpatine's like destroy these planets and they were like imperial planets they were new republic planets etc um and then this book basically has them from a position of strength trying to finish the job and hunt down the the remnants of shadow wing squadron um the book follows hera syndulla and her um battle group Alphabet Squadron has like a secondary mission. So like they support um Syndulla, but they're secondary they're like intelligence trying to hunt down this Shadow Wing. And mm-hmm. it follows like a bunch of really compare compelling characters. So like in the first book, the B Wing and the A Wing pilots were part of this group that got ambushed by the Empire and then they flew into a cluster. Um, called the orbital cluster where nothing was mapped out. So they were just like making these short jumps and it was basically like the premise of like Battlestar Galactica. If you've ever watched it where like, yeah, the first episode there, 47 minutes. Yeah. Or where they would jump and they would get attacked, jump and get attacked. And then the B wing and the a wing are the last two uh, pilots alive and they somehow escape um, from shadow wing. So they're like, um, part of it. And then the leader is like an ex Imperial who like had a role in, and by the way, for listeners, um, I assume that if, if you're interested in this, you've already read the book. And then if you are also interested to hear what this is about, you're never going to read the book. So I'm just going to say a bunch of like plot lines and stuff. Um, just to get that out of the way. Um, she, participated in operation cinder and was going to continue to like do it. But then her commander's like, you need to survive this. And then basically told her to abandon the empire. And then she has this whole cover up story where she's like, I tried to save everybody, which she obviously didn't. She just like blew up a planet. Um, but they all believe that she tried to like, she had a, um, change of conscience and tried to save it. So that's, the lead up to this shadow fall. So the book is they're, tr- they're still trying to find shadow wing and they're on this planet called Troith, which is like a planet. Troy? Troith T R O I T H E Troith. Okay. And they're on this planet and they have this idea. Um, there's this planet that has like a planetary shield and it's, um, uh, an empire stronghold and they're slowly methodically taking it out but they realize that it has enough like um, things to make it appealing for Shadow Wing to come. So they have this like there's this asteroid that's large enough to hide soldiers, and they basically create the situation to encourage Shadow Wing to come and um, attack. So they were going to ambush and kill all the members of Shadow Wing, and 
there's this like insane battle sequence where basically the, the shadowing group anticipates that and then does their own plan and destroy, they destroy each other into orbit. So it's like a hundred pages of just a massive, massive space battle, which is just something you don't really get in star Wars. Like I guess the biggest battle in the movies would be what battle of Endor. Well, I mean, now it would be the nonsense at the end of Rise of Skywalker. But yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and then beginning of beginning of episode three is pretty big. Yeah, that's true. So those those would be the two I would point to. Yeah. So it's just this massive, this massive, massive battle um, between just two two like starships. Um, so it's something like you'd almost see in a Clone Wars episode. And it follows like both ships basically break up into the atmosphere. So it's like 100 pages of it is fighting in space. Then 100 pages are both of them rebounding, then fighting each other on the ground. And then it does a really good job of following each character and their motivations and how they come to their ultimate conclusions. So it's if, if you are somebody that enjoys um, the just learning more and um, getting new stories in Star Wars. It's definitely something that's great. And then for me, the thing that I love the most about it was just it. it Alexander Freed does a really good job writing in Harrison Dula's voice. So you can easily oh, picture okay. her taking command of everything and her character. Which is, which is no small feat because we've talked about it before, but um, Vanessa Marshall, who voices Harrison Dula, I mean, literally, Hera's voice is is a highlight of Rebels for me because that actress does such a great job with that performance mm-hmm. with that character. So, to be able to lock into that is definitely no small feat. Yeah, and it's it's you'd think that it would you'd be dis, you'd be I would be disappointed to know after watching the Rebels finale that all of the characters go their own separate ways, and that's a little disappointing to think that like only really Hera would be continuing the fight, but it's cool to see Mm -hmm. this explaining, like she wasn't really ever alone and she had a major, major role to play in all of these things. So, um, that was a really cool thing to see of her commanding this battle group. She had this massive, um, cruiser that was, she was in charge of and then deciding what to do with her different squadrons and stuff. Cause she's not flying in any of these books. Interesting. Yeah. Just main, mainly a commander. So, um, with that being said, um, we didn't really talk about this. So it's not like, I don't really expect you have any questions prepared, Josh. (laughs) Yeah. Usually with book boys, I try to come up with questions. So my, my main question, and we, I think we covered this when we did our rise of Skywalker kind Uh of spectacular like right before we saw that movie and right after we saw that movie, I, I found a list I made of predictions for Force Awakens. And I, I kind of wrote it out in, you know, November or December of 2015. And it was all these things like a bingo cut in a card for things that might happen in Force Awakens. And one of them, which ultimately I think pretty definitively never happened, was getting a new wing. Look, we got an A-wing, we got our B-wing, we got our X-wing, we got our Y-wing. I'm sorry, is there only four letters in alphabet? 
or U-Wing. We did ultimately get a U-Wing. That's fair. In Rogue One, we got a U-Wing. Alphabet Squadron, we getting a new wing or what? So they they introduced two ships in this. And don't tell me TIE Fighter is supposed to be an H-Wing. I've heard that enough, JJ. It doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they don't get a hold of any TIE Fighters in this one. Um, at, at one point, they are at a Sith temple, and one of the characters gets like a Sith ship, but I couldn't really describe it all that well, other than hmm. that it has cloaking technology. Um and it doesn't really play a huge role. It just like plays a role in tracking another ship in it. And then they, they call mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's Jedi starfighter from clone wars attack of the clones. Um, they, find they, they find a ship that's like it and they call it a V wing. Yeah. They call oh, that ship okay. a V wing. Um, because when they get, um, like knocked down to the surface, they had been like bombarding the planet for the last like three months. So there was no like anti-air missile defenses or anything. So they end up basically going to junkyards to find ships to make them operational. And then that's where they find a V wing, what they call V wing starship, which is the one that Obi-Wan had when he took on, um, Django in that, um, asteroid field. Of J- hmm. That's just the standard Jedi crew. Yeah, fighter. so yeah. they didn't. They just called it a V-wing. Um, hmm, I'm not buying it. Yeah, so it's the the other cool thing is about um, Alphabet Squadron is they go really deep into the each of the ships and like their capabilities and stuff. So like at one point the B-wing pilot. Um, like uh, she gets a, she runs out of fuel and then like something happens to her ship. So she ejects herself out of her ship in space. Um, she has like a flight suit on and then she attempts to make repairs, which is like the first time I've ever kind of note, like seen or read somebody do that of, you know, you think when these pilots eject, they are just going to die in space. Um, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to think that like some of them have the abilities. They're like, flight suits actually could be spacesuits, uh, which you wouldn't think Pose or Luke's were, but that it wouldn't no. be difficult if you had to make those changes. Now, B-Wings don't have droids, so she had to make all of her repairs by herself. But I'd, I had always thought that, hmm. you know, why wouldn't you try to make repairs in space um, if you had the ability to? Yeah. You bring up, you do bring up an interesting question, and you know, we do get a little bit of it in Clone Wars and a sprinkle of it, a sprinkle of it mm-hmm. in A New Hope of spacesuits. Um, in A New Hope, when they're docking or they're getting, being, getting pulled into the Death Star, you see some stormtroopers that are outside right. of the Death Star, like out in space. And you see they also have kind of action, oxygen reserves. Uh, and then in Clone Wars, there is, there is a sequence where they land on the exterior of a ship in space and they have spacesuits, but you don't get a huge amount of space combat. Cause you think about the X-Wing helmet, very iconic. I'm sure we can all picture it. But then I'm thinking about it right now after you're saying this stuff about spacesuits and I'm thinking, what the heck does mm-hmm. that helmet do? I mean, it like, I think, cause if you get launched into space is useless. 
there's no covering for oxygen or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely takes a lot to describe something that a props guy from the late 70s just threw together to actually have a discussion of (laughs) utility in 2020, which I just think speaks to the um, the the genre itself. But it's definitely it's definitely they they Mm -hmm. take it in a in a couple of different areas of like I never thought about an A-wing as much as this one of the pilots that flies the A-wing of its capabilities because you know you see the A-wing in episode 6 they like basically just get destroyed mm-hmm. um you play rogue squadron they're like faster than everything else but they have no shields and then in rebels they're just the chump mm-hmm. of the week um for like 3 4 episodes of like <laughs> Like they yeah. don't fly at any speed that's good except for when Hera flies them they seem to move faster and can do stuff so right and the same thing for b-wings too is like you don't really see them in episode six at all um but they're in there no you only see them in episode six well in rebels they 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 make one yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah, yeah yeah um and then episode nine i believe that there's like one in episode nine there mu- I would have to think with all that nonsense going yeah, on. Yeah, and then at least and, one. Yeah, so I'll be curious. I was gonna say I'll be curious. I mean, we don't really know at this point, but I was it. I was looking and just perusing the internet, and it did occur to me. Like we talked about, they announced this Star Wars Squadron uh-huh. game. Um, and when we first talked about it, it felt like oh whatever, that's never gonna come out. But that comes out in less than two months comes out in October 2nd, less than two months. So I'll be grabbing that, but I'll, I'll be very curious. I guess I don't think it's for the switch. So I don't know that you'll have an opportunity to play it, but I'll, I have to wonder, um, what kind of tie-ins to that book series squadrons might have. Yeah. I mean, I see, I think they're going to do this, the same, like X wings are base, a wings, fast B wings, slow Y wings, slow, Oh, I'm thinking more in terms of just characters and stuff, though. Oh, of actually include, including them in and having, like, battles and stuff? Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, or just, like, name-dropping Alphabet Squadron or something like that. I'm pretty sure that they've already shown that Hera has a presence. Oh, okay, yeah. Game. Yeah, I mean, and, and granted, sure. that would be a perfect, sure. like, those small battles that don't really mean a lot would be, like, a perfect situation, right? Like the first book in the mm-hmm. orbital cluster where they're like doing the 47 minute Battlestar Galactica situation, you know, could be like, you need to survive mm-hmm. your squadron keeps getting mowed down each time. And then you have like, you have to survive for three minutes and then we're going to jump. You have to survive for two minutes. Then we're going to jump. That would actually be pretty awesome. That there is, there is definitely a pretty fun game mode in there. Cause I know, like college student that I was, I remember playing horde mode uh-huh. on gears of war, which <laughs> wave was just after sort wave. Of yeah. Yeah. Survive an onslaught of nonsense and see what wave you can get to. But the, the idea of, yeah, surviving, a, not even taking them all out, just surviving X amount of time before you can jump again and reset. And then the jump giving you the ability to sort of at least vaguely change up the aesthetic of the arena you're in. Man, they would be fools not to do something like that. Fools! But it's EA, so they probably are well, it's fools. Also, so. it's, it's also that 
they and I we'll talk about this more when we play Battlefront. It's they select movie scenes first, and then they have different spots where it's their own machination. Like I think Battlefront has Solist, right? As a map, and that has you right. know, um if you were to ask somebody who like a Soliston is, they would not really be able to um, tell you who that is, which I believe that's Nine Nub is is from Solist. Yeah. Yeah, I think they do drop the name Solist in one of the movies, but yeah, they never. Yeah. yeah. So they definitely have some wiggle room. Like I think they have to do like a Hoth. They have to do. Also, picture Nine Nub. Picture Nine Nub's planet. You're wrong. Oh yeah. Solist looks nothing um, like absolutely that. Absolutely not. Or maybe that's maybe that's like one side <laughs> of Solist. You know. Another on the other side of the be. beaches. Could be. And the other, the, the, one side it's a volcano yeah, hellscape, sure. and then the other side's. They just yeah, they were on the equator yeah. of Solist. He's not like a fish person. He's actually a smoke monster. Um. Yeah. So there you go. I I'm really glad I, it was good enough for me to power through, not trying to find some sweet sweet content, but it just. No, it sounds like it really yeah. got you going towards the end, My, you know, momentum-wise. So are you going to buy the third book day one? Oh, 100%. I'm, I, won't, I won't finish it or read all of it day one, but right. it'll be pre-ordered. But you suspect you will buy it and start reading it the day yeah, it comes 100%. out? Yeah, 100%. I think one of the, co- the coolest things about um, nice. the book, too, is they just casually plug in alien names, and then I have to go through Wikipedia and, like... It's fun that you think that's a cool thing that Star Wars books Oh, really? Do. So does that, would that really frustrate you? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's an inherent part of reading Star Wars books. Like, if you're coming into Star Wars books cold, just know you're going to be Googling some alien names. And then you're going to be like, yeah. oh, it looks like that. It's not, it's not a pro or a con, I'm not, but it's, it's funny to me that that is a, a so feature like, and not for, a bug for, one, for you. Like, at one point, they're, like, in on the planet's surface, and then... Um, somebody comes and talks to them and then the character's like, oh, and then the Keldor, the male Keldor says this. And I'm like, and I'm like, what, what the hell is a male Keldor? And, um, a male, a a, a Keldor is, um, Plo Koon's, um, species. Ah. So then I'm like, okay, Mm. I picture that. Well, what's a female Keldor? Um, I, apparently all the ones that they show other than Plo Koon are just those without the masks. Plo Koon. Plo Koon. No, Plo Koon is the female Keldor. Yes, sure, sure, sure. Um, what was another one? Um, Plo. Plo Koon. Um, a Hauk was, was another one. That sounds like some sequel trilogy nonsense. Um, well, a lot of this stuff is um, legends, and they are throwing legends and they're throwing legends into it. Mm. So, like, um, the Hauk is basically like um, a mix between like a gamma a Gammeranian and like a Trandoshan, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a pig dinosaur. Yeah, kind of like a like kind of like a pig dinosaur. Um, and just like those things. I mean, if I didn't have cell service and I couldn't picture these things, it would really frustrate me when they say these aliens. Um, but for me, it's just cool to have that background knowledge and then to kind of plug that into your imagination because 
a lot of times when you, you know, watch these things, right? Like Jar Jar is the only um, Gungan that you see outside of, you know, Nebu. You know, we don't know if there are other Gungans and other planets. Um, but books like these kind of plug in these species and give them more, you know, meaning, give them more um, face time than you would get from just your movies or just your your TV shows. So, mm-hmm. well, um, I think book, 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 boys, book boys is. So here's a fun thing, listeners. This was book boys. And then this week. The Rise of Kylo Ren comes out, which is a four-issue comic book miniseries that chronicles exactly that. Ben Solo uh, becoming Kylo Ren. Read by Charles Soule. Art by, I don't remember the name. I apologize. I haven't read it yet. I read the first issue. But anyway, the trade, I should be getting my hands on that tomorrow or next day. By the time this episode comes out, I'll have my hands on that and I'm going to read it. And we're going to do a book boys about that. However, Pete and I are also hanging out in person shortly. And... Uh, depending on how prolific we are, it may be a full month before you hear that episode. But. I mean, if we record three, four episodes this weekend. But as any loyal Poboys listener knows, we never talk about things currently. Um, I mean, this this book, Boys, is, um, what, five, six weeks, six weeks late. So um, you're. Just gonna have to wait, and you'll be very happy when you hear it, or not. Yeah, the next time we have any actual current Star Wars news to talk about, and it seems like our podcast is vaguely timely, will probably be when we talk about Book Boys. And then some freaking day we'll talk about Jedi Temple Challenge after dark. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Sure you are. It's fine. The listeners are looking forward to it, too. All right, well. Listeners, please email us and tell us whether we made the right call talking about ABC Squadron or whether you have liked us to have talked about Jai Temple Challenge After Dark. Bye. Oh, it's podcast at gmail.com. Bye.